The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Thanks, Deanie. The emotive reading that that Deanie just brought to that um, that passage of scriptures is reflective of the entire passage of scriptures. And I'm going to invite you uh, at home to turn to John 21 uh, in in your scriptures, or if you, if you prefer, just listen for a few minutes to the story. Because I'm going to take the liberty of just retelling this story to you just uh, as a narrative in scriptures. Because the beauty of John 21 is reflected both in, in just the story itself, but it's also reflected in the detail of the story. But I don't want to lose the beauty of the story as we dig into the detail in a few minutes. So, so listen to the story as John tells it. This follows this story in John 21 is really the epilogue of a, of a longer narrative of John where John has relayed uh, the story of the life of Christ in a very unique way. And of course, the climax, the apex of that story was last week. <clears throat> last week, as we looked at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cross and the empty grave, the climax of a beautiful story and a, the climax of a narrative that has taken place since creation. And then, as in any good story, there are some things that we need to deal with at the end of the story. We get the, the tale of, of, of Doubting Thomas, as it's been named. Jesus appearing before the disciples, the appearance to Mary Magdalene. And then in John 21, we get this story. The disciples are gathered. They're gathered together. It's, it's, it's been a little bit of time. We don't know how much, a day maybe, a week maybe, since they have last seen Jesus. Peter being the character that he is, restless, goes back to what he knows best, and he looks around at the group, and he says, I'm going fishing. And for a fisherman, that's what he does. We go back to what we know. And so, so Peter, six of, his, um, six of the other disciples, with seven of them, off they go fishing. They're named in John 21. They go and they spend the night on the Sea of Galilee and they don't have any luck at all. I can commiserate with that. Spend a whole day out there, catch nothing. I know that well. Well, they know it. They're out there fishing, but they're commercial fishermen. 
This shouldn't happen to them. After a night of fishing, they're near the shore, and they see someone standing on the shore. Now, John says to us, it's Jesus, but they don't recognize him. They're about 100 yards from the shore. This man, as they would see it on the sh shore, he says to them, and, and, and John uses the, the, the Bible, the NIV says friends, but literally it's children. Children, throw the net on the other side of the boat. Now, if this is you or me, we're looking at this person going, really? Really? After the whole night, you want me to throw this net on the other side of the boat? There's no fish in this sea anymore. But the disciples, they take that, throw, for some reason, the net on the other side of the boat, and you know what happens. It fills, it fills to the breaking point with fish. It is loaded with fish. John looks to the shore and suddenly he recognizes it. The beloved of Jesus recognizes him and says, it's Jesus. Peter being the impetuous one that he is, he immediately clothes himself, throws some clothes on, jumps over the boat and goes to the shore because he is going to see Jesus. He, he gets to the shore, and on the shore, on the shore. Now think about this. Net's full of fish. Who has he left behind? The other disciples to drag the fish back to the shore. They're straining with it. He's at the shore. There's Jesus. Jesus has got a fire going. There's fish on the fire. There's bread there. The scene is amazing. Jesus looks and says, um, bring some fish. Peter, having been followed by the disciples, jumps back out, grabs the net, drags it back in, and there's that record of there were 153 fish in there. Drags it back to shore, and then the scene unfolds. <clears throat> the, the scene unfolds because there's Jesus and the disciples. The fire's going. And you know, to me, there's just something beautiful and comforting about Jesus. It feels right. Jesus gathered with his disciples there on the shore breakfast, eating, breaking bread together. After three years of having been together, there's a normalcy to this that just needs to resonate with us this morning. But that's not enough. And then we get this passage that Deanie just read to us. Because Jesus has some unfinished business with Peter in this case. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do 
love me. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, of course, each time responds with, yes, Lord, you know I do. And then Jesus says, follow me. Now, it doesn't say it specifically here, but I can almost imagine Jesus has, has said to Simon, let's take a walk. Let's walk together. And then as they're walking, following is the beloved disciple, John himself. And Peter turns back and he looks and he says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, even if I was to allow him to live to the resurrection, that's not yours to worry about. And the scene comes to an end. There's a few more words there. But it's a beautiful story that needs to be captured in the beauty of Christ, first of all, breakfast with his disciples on the shore. It's a gorgeous scene. And it's a scene of disciples who had felt that Jesus had left them perhaps. Maybe they had felt a sense of abandonment, went fishing, went back to what they know so well. And then that scene with Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. The beauty of the, beauty of the, the detail of that scriptures is that as, as, John, as John is apt to do in his narrative, he begins this section with the word afterwards. Or it, it could be in his narrative style, following all of this. So in other words, after the events of the crucifixion and the cross and after the events and after the things that happened with, with, with doubting Thomas, there's one more piece of business that we need to deal with. And folks, throughout, throughout this passage, there's a number of these interesting little things that resonate with the story and the signs in John. If you look back at John 20, John 20 ends indicating that the purpose of these signs, the reason he had picked these signs were to point us to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. This pointing back to Jesus as the Christ are pointing back to he picked seven particular signs that were indicators of Jesus being the Christ to prove it. John 21 reminds us of some of these. And as you look into this, you can't help but being reminded of some of the signs. First of all, First of all, he takes and he says, and, and, and if you think about this, a night of no fish, they throw the net 
on the other side and the net is filled to bursting. A sign of abundance. 153 large fish filled to bursting. Do you remember the first miracle? Do you remember the first miracle? In the first miracle, too, there's a specific number. Six barrels of water. Fill those six barrels with water, and it turns to wine. An abundance of wine, more than you can possibly imagine. That reminder would have been very clear. Peter, what does he do? He jumps out of the boat, impetuously reaching again to see Jesus. Do you remember the miracle? Do you remember the sign? Do you remember that same miracle earlier on? Jesus, see a Galilee, a storm, and they see someone coming a walking across the water. Who is it that jumps out of the boat and wants to see Jesus? Reminiscent. And then they get, he gets to the shore, and what's on the shore? fish and bread. Where have we seen that before? Where have we heard that before? You know. They're gathered on the mountainside. The people are hungry. There's a boy. He's got some bread. He's got some fish. And again, sitting and communing together. John, in his epilogue to the story, reminds us of the signs that come earlier. Those are, those are beautiful ways of wrapping the story. But I want to go here. And what I want to leave you with this morning is this. After they're done, there's this one piece of unfinished business. And the question comes, Simon, Simon, not Peter, not Cephas, Simon. My name's Ray. People know me as Ray. When I was younger, it was Raymond. When I was in trouble, it was Raymond. If I hear somebody call me Raymond today, I think of my grade three teacher when I was in trouble. Raymond. But there's also a fondness to Raymond. It's the phrasing my mother would have used. In affectionate moments, it's the phrasing my dad would have used. Raymond. Jesus goes back to Peter's former name. Simon, Simon, do you love me more than these? Simon, do you love me? Do you truly love me? There's two phrasings for love me that are, that are used here. There's agape love and, and filial love. 
commentators say, be careful not to do too much with that because in the Aramaic, love really, it's just one word. And it's probably the one word that he would have used. You could play with it a little bit, and if this was a, a class, I might do that. But for this morning, I think just for us, Jesus comes and he says, do you love me? It says that Peter was hurt. He was grieved. Peter makes the connect. Because you see, there's another connection in this passage. When's the last time that Peter's been around a fire with Jesus? It's the night of his betrayal. It's the night of his trial. And it's around that fire that Peter three times is asked, do you know this guy? And he says, no, I don't know him at all. Now, around a fire, he's asked that same question, do you love me? He gets it. And then just as Christ did, when he initially called him, he says to Simon, to Peter, follow me. There's so much more in this chapter, but I got to wrap it up here. Because we want to go to the challenge in this chapter in just a few minutes, and I want to leave time for this. But here's, here's what I want you to walk away from with this this morning. First, Christ comes to us today. You know, in the midst of these difficult times, in the midst of all the things that we're dealing with, but shortly after Easter, he comes to us and he says, do you love me? Do you truly love me more than these? Do you love me? And today I'm going to ask you, come to him and say yes Lord I love you I love you more than these you know I love you but then secondly Jesus comes to us and he says follow me and I'm going to ask you to follow him Walk in his ways, as difficult as that may feel in these times. I'm going to ask you to do that. After our song of response and prayer, I'm going to ask that Justin Cook comes up. Because there's one further piece to this. I love this. You see, the disciples didn't know what to do at first, so they went fishing, which is good. They went back to what they knew. But Jesus leaves us with something this morning. He says, do you love me? Then what follows that? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. It's a call for us. And I'm going to ask us to heed that call today. Heed that call to feed my sheep. For us as congregations, I attend at Meadowlands, and we partner with you on, on this next piece of the calling that I'm going to ask Justin to fill with, in with us for a few minutes. But for today, 
I leave you with these words. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you truly love me? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come to the end of this part of our service together, we give you thanks that after your death on the cross, after the glorious resurrection, you come to us. You come to us out of abundance of fish and bread, out of abundance of mercy and grace, and you invite us. You invite us into the love that you have for us. And Lord, it's my prayer this morning that we can accept that love that you have for us. Allow it to flow over us. May it be unmistakable in our lives. Lord, truly, truly, we do love you. Amen.